For here am I sitting in a tin can, far above the world. Planet Earth is blue, and there's nothing I can do. And this is episode 14 of They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. Alex, you really uh, shocked me with your David Bowie. Yeah, I. that was the <laughs> quote I chose for multiple reasons, for metaphorical reasons, and also my assertion that in any Adam Sandler movie, if you don't like David Bowie, you are evil. It's true. It was set up so well. Not that you didn't know that Chuck Cedar was evil at the beginning of the movie. You can tell based on the eyebrows. Okay. Those are the same eyebrows I have, so... Well? Uh-huh. But I like David Bowie, so it's fine. Look at your Twitter bio. You, I do. I am the evil You do say huh? that you're evil. Mm-hmm. You admit okay. it. You yourself admit that you're evil. <laughs> you yourself admit it. <laughs> that you do suck. This is a podcast where we are watching all 60 Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler-adjacent movies in a row, 60 days, and we talk about it in great detail. Yes, we get into what they're trying to say, the artistic merit of each movie, the themes, and most importantly, what's up with Adam Sandler, and does he deserve all the hate? And what is the movie that we watched today, Alex? Today, we watched Mr. Deeds, a movie about a man who inherits $40 billion. And what's interesting about this movie is that it's a remake of a previous film that's based on a story, and that hasn't been done yet in an Adam Sandler movie. There have been plenty of references to other films and and stories, but this is the first straight-up remake or adaptation. Yeah, I'd say adaptation's more fair. Um, It's based on Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, a 1930s movie, which I believe was based on something called Opera Hat. Yes. Which I didn't do much research into. And I think at the end, I'm going to kind of go over the the slight differences between the movies, um, other than the fact that they were made 70 years apart. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really doesn't seem like there's that much of a difference, that much I mean, some of the things that you told me do make a difference, but it seems pretty accurate. I I think the difference is more in how society right now works comparatively to the message of the story. Hmm. Well, why don't we start digging into this movie, Alex? Tell me about the sand layer. This is a three sand layer movie? Yes. Or Or did I give it two? I think you gave it a two star. It's made by Happy Madison, and it is starring Adam Sandler. So that's two stars. It's written not by Adam Sandler. It's written by Tim Hurley, and it's an adaptation. So I don't know if Adam Sandler always has kind of a say in the writing, and he just doesn't take a writing credit. But I think we'll be safe just calling it a two-star. It's not necessarily a core movie, but I think it's a pretty important movie. It, It seems like... Someone had to choose to remake this movie, and it wasn't done, you know, because it was a super popular movie that everyone knows, you know? Mm-hmm. But it was a, this one was a very enjoyable movie, and I will be shocked if critics didn't like it that much. Well, real qu- yeah, actually, let's go into that. What do you think the, the critics' percentage was, and what do you think the audience' percentage was? 50 and 70. 50s and 70s. This is where the outrage begins. Critics gave this movie a 22 why (laughs) right i'm not 100 percent sure uh audience score was a 59 can you remind me what percentage the animal got the animal got a 30 percent from critics alex (laughs) right this is this is why i'm so frustrated all the time in this there's also a like direct not a direct a almost direct correlation between how good the movie is according to critics and how much money it makes. I'm working on some math stuff. I'm learning how to use the data visualization software that's free on the internet to to show that off really well. But like, this pisses me off a lot. Because <laughs> of 22, <laughs> this was a good movie. Yeah, I mean, there were only a couple like weird Adam Sandler tidbits, like his gross frostbite foot. that <laughs> didn't have to be in the movie at all. Um, yeah. Weirdly, feet are pretty important in this movie, but we can talk about that. Yeah. What's more interesting is, like, so Punch Drunk Love, a movie we both really liked, 
it cost about twenty five million dollars to make. It made about twenty four point eight million, so it broke about even. Mm-hmm. This movie cost estimated fifty million dollars. It made one hundred and seventy one million, so it's a huge blockbuster. They made bank off this movie. It's great for them. You make a movie like this every five years, and you could do it forever. But they gave it a 22? Are you kidding me? Just what bothers me the most is that it did worse for the critics compared to The Animal, which just continues to lead me to believe that the critics critics have something against Adam Sandler specifically. I'm going to say that the critics, in fact, put out a hit on Adam Sandler. (laughs) (laughs) This movie... Yeah, I mean, they do have that scene from John Wick. That's yeah. in this movie. <laughs> Anything filmed in that area is John Wick now. And th- there is a scene in this movie filmed where John Wick, spoiler alert, gets excommunicated. That's just, just the reference. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the movie, you don't know what that means. That's a wild sentence. That sounds like he's in a church. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure people can tell. I like this movie. I thought it was good. It's one of the better comedies we've seen. I think I'd rather rewatch this than a, like The Waterboy or Billy Madison. Oh, at least 100%. Right now. I mean, so far all the complaints about Adam Sandler have been that he is too childlike in his movies. Now this one, his childlike nature is very endearing, but he's still very much a responsible adult and acts like an adult the entire movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would argue that he is more adult than all of the rest of the characters. Yes. He is just, like, the character is very fun. Adam Sandler doesn't act like any of his other characters that he's done in this movie. The closest, I would say, is Happy Gilmore. But in Happy Gilmore, he definitely has much more of an anger problem, whereas in this one, he's just a normal guy. Yeah, and I think that might be part of the reason critics don't like it. I don't want to go on a big thing about how critics are kind of the elite class and look down on movies that are for people. Oh, so interesting because that's that's one of the themes of this movie is how the upper class looks down to the working class. Yeah, and from my quick review of uh, why they hate this movie, it's, quote, the star and his numbskull cronies piss on Capra's grave with acrid insincerity um, about this movie. I don't know, as if the guys who made the original movie weren't rich as hell also. What do they mean that this movie is insincere? I found it extremely sincere. Yeah, anyone with an IQ over 85 should stay away. Wow, that's ableist. Yep, that's from three movie buffs. Let's see. The Guardian, once again, has one of the most (laughs) more offensive takes. A remake so bad it will make your gums bleed. Orphanage fires are funnier. (laughs) i mean like christ if i was a critic writer i would you know defend the fact that funnier is not a word and also i probably wouldn't say like i'd rather watch children die than watch this movie i mean funny funnier is a word but that's okay you don't don't tell them that though because because i was being smarter than him (laughs) well let's 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 recap well first guess how many times i laughed oh that's that's fair um i think you laughed like 22 times that's it yeah i i i I didn't hear you laughing very much but maybe it's because i was laughing with you i only had yeah you did laugh more than often than normal in this movie yeah i didn't have quite as many like huge laughs in this but i laughed through the entire movie i I laughed 48 times wow what yeah like it was good every part of it's like pretty funny i mean there's stuff that I don't know. I don't necessarily think everyone would laugh at like singing to David Bowie's funny to me. The Hawaiian punch scene's funny. Like a lot of it's funny though. It is. Every funny time movie. Alan Covert shows up, I thought it was funny. <laughs> I I was losing it at the John McEnroe scene. <laughs> that scene <laughs> reminds me of the scene from Ted. And some people here who are listening to the podcast and be like, "Oh, she likes Ted." No wonder she's been enjoying these Adam Sandler movies. But that scene in Ted 2 where they throw apples at joggers. Terrific. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is a very funny scene. I don't know. I, I think there's something to be said about a uh, the critiquing class and how they uh, respond to movies that are just fun. Yeah. That said, like, Ted's not a great movie. There's some funny parts of it. I don't want to talk about Ted. I want to talk about Mr. Deeds. Let's recap. Yeah, let's recap. 
Okay. Preston Blake, played by Harv Presnell, is the head of a media corporation called Blake Media. And right at the beginning of the movie, he dies at the top of Mount Everest. And they show his body on TV being airlifted away by a helicopter. He didn't leave a will, so his $40, $40 billion media empire is going to go to the next, his next of kin, who happens to be Longfellow Deeds, played by Adam Sandler. Uh, Deeds is a pizzeria owner slash volunteer fire chief at a small town called Mandrake Falls, New Hampshire. And Alex, you had a bone to pick about it being in New Hampshire. Yeah, in the original, it is in Mandrake, Vermont. Also a fake town, but they took it out of Vermont because people hate Vermont for no good reason. Like, unless you used to live there, then you can hate it like I did because that place <laughs> sucks. But come on. Uh, this is also our first... Adam Sandler character, who's not Pip, whose name does not end with an E. Like, yeah. But this is because it's... They do call him Deedsy, though, at one point. Yeah, they call him Deedsy whenever they're communicating with his friends. So I would, I would almost say it doesn't count because it is just the name of the original character. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, Deeds is extremely well-liked. And he goes by Deeds. He doesn't go by Longfellow. He's extremely well-liked, and his only ambition is to get one of his greeting cards published. Like, and by extremely well-liked, I mean, like, they hold a parade for him when he leaves the town. Yeah, also, he, he doesn't come from, like, a small town like many people say that. He comes from a town that, like, doesn't have an airport. It does have an airport, but it's just, like, a field. <laughs> yeah, it's just a field um, where, like, the town... I guess he's not the town drunk. He's just like a guy who works at the pizza place, but a drunk dude just playing with like a toy plane there. Yeah. It's, it has, you know. Played by Peter Drake. Yeah. Peter Dante. Peter Dante, not Peter Drake. I don't know why I said Peter Drake. I have a Peter Drake all through my notes too. I, yeah, I didn't know who that was. So I just kind of skipped it. Um, Thanks. Well, I didn't know who it was. I thought it was someone I didn't know about. The town though, like it has a few cars, but like most people are biking around People are living kind of out in the woods. There's the one block of old school town. Nothing else is there, though. Yeah. It probably has 150 people. It's supposed to be this kind of town that's isolated from all outside influence. Yes. They, they make a mention that the most important thing to ever happen there was Stephen King once got gas there. And the man he looked at <laughs> lost 200 pounds overnight. <laughs> Everyone was too afraid to talk to Stephen King. And that that's like one of our only horror movie references in this movie too. Yeah. Well, I don't think they wanted to deviate too much no. from the from the plan. Yeah, I think that's true. And for that reason this movie feels very simultaneous much like an Adam Sandler film and very much not like an Adam Sandler film. But regardless, mm -hmm. let's continue. Yeah. Chuck Cedar played by Peter Gallagher and I think is is he's just called Anderson, I think. Cecil? Cecil Anderson? Sure. Yeah. Played by Eric Avari. Um, they come to pick up Deeds from Man Mandrake Falls so they can get some paperwork squared away in New York City and Deeds can give up his stake in the corporation for his $40 billion, uh, $40 billion since it's in shares. He gets to stay in Preston Blake's super nice mansion that has Hawaiian punch in the fountains. He meets Emilio the butler, played by John Turturro, and he has a bunch of fun in New York City. He really likes it there. He likes the echo in his house or his apartment or whatever. And uh, he meets Babe Bennett. Although he doesn't meet her as Babe Bennett, he meets her as Pam Dawson. Pam Dawson is, uh, slash Babe Bennett slash Winona Ryder, who is probably what I'm just going to say Winona the entire time. Mm -hmm. Babe Bennett works for Inside Access, a competing media corporation. And she pretends to be Pam Dawson and pretends to be a damsel in distress in order to get close to Deeds and secretly record him so they can get the inside scoop on Blake Media's new leader or heir, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, the first night that he's out with Pam, Winona, uh, Deeds escapades that include beating up the editor of The New Yorker, a Guggenheim employee, and an opera singer, as well as a drunken night out with John McEnroe. Gets put on TV. I, I want to point out yeah. that he beats them up for talking down to him and trying yes. to shame him. Yes. Mm. And he, he says that he would beat them up if it weren't for the lady. And then Pam, Winona, Babe, 
says, I wouldn't mind, and then he beats him up. Yeah, she's like giddily recording all of this. It's like the best scoop she's ever gotten. Yeah. The next day, Deeds goes out with Winona again and shares some information about Blake that he'd learned from the diary he found. He also saves a woman and her seven cats from a fire. And this time, Winona Ryder's footage is edited to look like Deeds just like threw cats out the window and then assaulted this woman. <laughs> this, I, that scene was so funny. <laughs> they have this scene edited, so it looks like he just killed a bunch of cats. Yeah, and they... <laughs> They have like a woman screaming no, and then him saying, Don't worry, I'm coming to get you. And then they edit it <laughs> to her just screaming no over and over while he is yelling, I'm coming to get you. And like <laughs> climbing up a wall like Spider Man. Just like, <laughs> just looks terrifying. They do a good it's job so of like making fun of the, the news edits. Yeah. Uh, Deeds has fallen for Pam, quote unquote, Pam. And he says that instead of signing the papers to get his shares, he's going to stay in NYC for a while. And that makes Cedar upset, of course. And Winona is also upset about the edited footage. So the next time she meets Deeds, she's like crying when he reads her a greeting card that he wrote for her, like ends up sobbing because she feels so bad that she's been pretending to be someone else and has been lying to him. Marty, who's played by Alan Covert, that I didn't realize was Alan Covert until like <laughs> two-thirds of the way through the movie. You didn't, he has a blonde, like, afro kind of thing going on. <laughs> I can't believe that was enough to make you realize, or not realize that was him. Well, to so be I, fair, he spends part of the film pretending to be a mugger. He has a black eye and, like, a neck brace on at one point. He has a fake mustache on. The The first time I realized that it's Alan Cover is when he, half of his disguise is off and he's washing his ass in the tennis court showers. <laughs> I, I, I laughed, like, every time he came on onto the movie because he's just, like... The, has the shit being out of him yeah and looks terrible and that horrible blonde like hairdo is so good oh it's so bad yeah in, in the very beginning um when deeds meets pam dawson she's pretending to be mugged by marty and then instead of just helping her he chases marty down and just beats the shit out of him yeah which is why he's like bruised and bloody through the rest of the movie yeah uh and marty Clearly has some sort of a thing for Babe. Uh, and he feeds Chuck Cedar information about her and Deeds, which he maliciously, which Cedar maliciously feeds back inside access. I don't know why Marty had to go through the middleman there, but whatever. Well, no, uh, Marty went to Chuck and then Chuck was able to make a deal with him and sell off all his media stuff to inside access, basically. Oh. Yeah, that was the... Oh, Okay. Anyway, Cedar turns on the inside access coverage to show Deeds during, like, right before his elaborate proposal to her. And uh, this obviously makes Deeds very upset. So he leaves back from Mandrake Falls and just tells them to donate his $40 billion. He signs away his shares and he goes home. And, of course, Chuck Cedar, even though he said that he was going to take good care of the company, he's going to dissolve the company and cause... 50,000 people to lose their jobs. Uh, he's going to sell it for parts, essentially. But Deeds goes back to his normal life in Mandrake Falls. And when Winona Ryder comes to Mandrake Falls to confess her love and apologize and falls through the ice just like his mom did, uh, he says he doesn't even know her and kind of sends her on her way. Which I was like, yes, thank goodness that mm -hmm. he has some sense because he doesn't know her. I hate that in romantic comedies when someone pretends to be someone they're not the entire time. And then yeah. the other person doesn't seem to care. At the board meeting, I wish the scene had a little bit more transition or like cause and effect because they really don't show why Deeds decides to go back to New York City. I mean, I know why he does because he cares for people and doesn't want this company to well, be dissolved. But he watches the the newscast where the, the news anchor says that everyone's going to lose their jobs. That's I mean, it, it's a common theme. Anytime he sees something wrong happening or bad happening that he can help with, he instantly goes and tries to help with it. But I That's... thought they showed that newscast and then he continued on his way delivering pizza. I mean, he still had to deliver the pizza. You can't just okay. not deliver the pizza. That's that's fair. Okay. He's he's a small business owner. Like can't 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 just <laughs> not. <laughs> At 
the board meeting, which is very like Nazi propaganda. I don't know if you noticed the decor of that yes. room. Oh, man. At the board meeting where Cedar's going to make the decision to sell the company when they have like all the votes. Deed shows up and speaks and he's allowed to speak because he bought a share of the company that morning. And he makes a big speech about greed and helping people and everyone is convinced and starts applauding in the audience. But Cedar didn't have a change of heart and he has a big enough stake in the company to just make the decision anyway and strip the company down. But wait, Winona Ryder comes in with research about Preston Blake that she found out via the diary and via other research. And it turns out that Preston Blake had a son and that son is Emilio, the butler and rightful heir to all those stocks that Deeds had given away. He gives, Emilio gives $1 billion to Deeds and then fires a bunch of people. And we're supposed to assume that Emilio is going to do good for the company. And back at Mandrake Falls. Deeds finds out that the greeting card that he wrote for Winona Ryder was accepted by Hallmark. Winona is there working with them, too. Um, This is like a flash forward into the future. And he's also purchased everyone in town a bunch of cars. Yeah, I think he got everyone a red Corvette. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's that's the movie. Yeah, I think first, let's just quickly talk about how it differs from the original. Um, Obviously, the original was in 1930s. He was someone who wrote cards it seems like um he also was a like part of the tuba he played tuba in the like the town marching band or something which is <laughs> like not a thing that happens but basically all the same stuff happens with the media people try to trick him babe bennett does trick him he learns the truth except in the original what they try to do is use his uh how he acted throughout the movie in a court to get him listed as insane so he would have his shares taken away from him and they they have uh, there's some weird stuff so basically they bring in two ladies from the town who call him crazy and then some other evidence quote unquote and then he's able to have a very good speech where he also pokes holes in this person's court case and then asks the ladies who else is crazy and they respond everyone but us is crazy and then Longfellow Deeds punches the bad guy in the face in the courthouse. <laughs> and the judge says, this is the sanest man who ever walked through the doors of this court. <laughs> um, uh, and then Longfellow Deeds gives everyone who wants it a thousand acres of farmland as long as they farm for three years, I think is his thing. So, yeah, splits up the money, I guess. It's again, I didn't actually watch the movie. I might at another time watch it so I get a better telling. But the differences are more timely than with what actually goes on. It could have been interesting to try to put Adam Sandler's character on trial for being quote unquote insane. But no, I think I, that the way that they did it was better mm-hmm. in, in the movie. I like that he willfully signed away his shares in the in the Adam Sandler version. Yes. I thought that that was interesting, and I actually didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. My question is, what happens to the $40 billion that he donated to the United Negro College Fund? Uh, I'm assuming kind of null and void, huh? Yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I actually, I, I need to bring it up. Someone on the internet had the worst take of all time, which is they blamed the 20% decrease in 2002 of donations to the United Negro College Fund on this movie which is like uh, i mean just such an ins- wild take i don't even yeah. know like <laughs> really <laughs> you think them mentioning a a it it doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah just that's that's a a very out there way of trying to blame adam sandler for some bad stuff that happened Especially considering this movie came out in 2002, and maybe there was something that happened in 2001 that might have impacted charities that didn't go to some other thing. Who knows? I don't know. I'm thinking back. Nothing of historical importance happened in 2001. No, I don't think so. So. I mean, I forgot, I guess. We should edit that joke out, but still. No, that's a good joke. We obviously (laughs) didn't forget. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Anyway, I think that 
The original ending for Mr. Deeds Goes to Town is so much more of a capitalist daydream than this movie's ending is. Not that I don't think Mr. Deeds itself is a capitalist daydream. It is. But the idea that giving everybody a thousand acres to farm for three years for free is helpful. I don't know about you, Alex, but if someone gave me a thousand acres of farmland, what would I do with it? Like a, a new woodstock? Well, I have to farm it. That's the thing. I have to farm on this land. I'll, I'll have one tomato branch and then a bunch of shows. <laughs> See? Nah, I don't even like festivals, so that's a lie. So, yeah, it, I wouldn't, it I wouldn't doesn't, do shit. It's kind of like this worthless thing. And also, you have to keep in mind, you have to be able-bodied to be a farmer. You can't be. You also probably need to know how to farm, huh? And you also need to have money in order to buy seeds and stuff. I think they make the assumption that they would uh, give them everything they need to get set up. But like still, I don't want to be a fucking farmer. So Oh, plus you have to, you know, give up your entire current life. Yeah. I mean, again, in the 1930s, I might have taken that deal. Sounds sick. (laughs) But I like the kind of homage to that. Maybe the critique of that ending in the 2002 Mr. Deeds because they give everybody these Corvettes. And it shown like the last scene we get is the character called Crazy Eyes, played by Steve Buscemi, just driving into the fork in the road, like just driving yeah. into some rocks, <laughs> just, like just drives sh- straight into a tree, and then it's like, oh man, these things are fast. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know what to do with the thing. Yeah. It's kind of a waste of money. But throughout this entire movie, Deeds has shown a a disregard for money in general. Mm-hmm. You don't really need a money. You don't really need a money. You don't really need money when you live in such a small town where everybody knows each other. Yeah, and that you can just cooperate. He's comfortable. He owns a small business. He makes pizza. He's the only pizza place in town. So everyone Mm -hmm. hangs out there. They get beers there. He's well liked. Like there's really capitalism isn't actually touching this town. So the the need for all the extra wealth and stuff doesn't hit it. Basically, yeah, yeah. At the same time, they do have a jail. Yeah, but they have a jail, but no mental help for crazy eyes. I mean, they put him in jail for one day for trying to bite the the postman. That's (laughs) like not that bad. That and crazy eyes even has a home and like basic necessities, and he is given food by Adam Sandler's character. Okay, that that's 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 fine. They don't have mental health services for him, yes, but he is taken care of better than anyone in our city, you know. Uh, keep on the capitalism idea for a bit. Yeah, I, wa- I want to talk about this idea that money corrupts mm-hmm. in this movie. And Deeds is completely uncorrupted by yes. the money that he gets. He's shown to be just outstanding the entire movie. He gives away $20,000 like it's $20 throughout the whole movie. There's a scene where there's like a couple having a uh, anniversary and he's like, hey, say they won like a giveaway and hands the waiter like $20,000 to give them. He pays. Yeah. He buys two bikes off two children to ride around the park and gives each of them (laughs) $20,000. Which is not the most responsible thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. But also he has basically... I, th- I think part of it is when you have that money, money, there's no, it doesn't make any sense. He could give $20,000 away every day of his life and it'll never dent the amount of wealth he has. So it, it means nothing to him. No, not responsible for him. Oh, but yeah. Not responsible for the kid because the kid immediately says he's going to drop out of school. But then they have a scene where a homeless guy says, yeah, drop out of school. Yeah. And it scares the kids and they run away. I mean, uh, I think... Every billionaire should give random children $20,000. Uh, there are some kids I wouldn't trust with $20,000, but that's beside the point. There's a lot of billionaires I wouldn't trust with $20,000, though. Okay, that's that's also fair. <laughs> um, so, I mean, money is very corrupting to everybody else in the movie, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Chuck is trying to fire 50,000 people in order to make money off the investments. In this scene at the end where he makes a speech about what he wanted to be when he uh, was growing up compared to what we became, they have a guy who wanted to be a veterinarian talk about how now he owns a chain of slaughterhouses 
Um, and there's a few more things like that that showed on the way to trying to acquire wealth, I have turned my back on my actual beliefs. Yeah, compromising values. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Pam slash Babe slash one of the writer. She wanted to be a good reporter when she was growing up. That's like one of the only non-lies she tells Deeds while she's still undercover. She wanted to be a good reporter and she ends up working for this this company called Inside Access, which is really just supposed to be Rupert Murdoch's tabloids. They yeah. even have the the leader of this company be an Australian guy just to show how shitty he is. And she ends up compromising a bunch of her values and then realizes that she's compromised her values when she's fallen in love with deeds and, you know, has really painted herself into a corner. And she does face the consequences for that for momentarily, but she does face the consequences. Yeah. And there's also an interesting bit of uh, Winona Ryder's character pretends to be this damsel in distress in order to get Adam Sandler's character interested in her. And it works. And it seems silly because like when they're separated, you see Winona Ryder's character like drinking beer and like talking and being smart. And then when they're together, she's like a fawning idiot. And Adam Sandler's character still goes for it. But like he's shown to be a guy who likes hanging out and like drinking beer and like messing around with people. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I I was like, it's interesting that they purposely... (laughs) show that he's he's looking for some nonsense that uh, doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, he wants someone who's like his mom, he says, but... Yeah, that and his idea of romance is these Hallmark cards he keeps writing. That's how he views love, is falling through ice and saving someone is a good way to meet, and yeah. Hallmark cards are good ways to show your emotions. Mm-hmm. And... It kind of shows this, uh, what's that channel with all the bad movies? The Hallmark Channel? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it shows the Hallmark Channel's version of romance and love is and all this nonsense. And I think that's very on purpose. I know they did it in the original, but like, like he, he filters a lot of his ideas through that. And it's just so lame that it has to kind of be on purpose. Yeah. That and uh, it's his like greatest ambition to become a Hallmark writer. And it's almost as if it's because that's the the only poetry and the only like artistic thing he's ever been subjected to. So he doesn't know there's more. Obviously, he knows there's music. You cannot be a musician, though. This is the only poetry he knows. When he sees uh, Reverend, Reverend Sharpton speaking, he's like, man, this guy could write such good cards. He doesn't realize that like there's kind of a higher form of art that he could get interested in. Yeah. But I don't I don't think he even cares about that. I think that that is supposed to symbolize a complicated, complex life ruled by money versus a simple life ruled by compassion and friendships. Yeah, but I'm just saying like he's never even heard of the New Yorker which they mention has articles and funny cartoons and clever right. stuff and then he's just or like, the guggenheim yeah yeah he's like oh cool like i good luck with that uh-huh i mean he's not really interested but i also think he comes from a place where he never would have been allowed to get interested in it yeah that that's true most of the people in the town are shown to be like hicks really mm-hmm. just living kind of a simple life yeah and i think there is a part where Chuck does refer to them as a bunch of hicks. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything more you want to say on the capitalism? Not really. I think I think that's about... It, it's actually so on the nose that it, it, you don't really have to go too much in depth. Yeah. I guess there's a little bit to be said about how the way they talk about capitalism in this kind of reveals, in my opinion, the way a lot of people scold or praise happy madison on how they make movies because there's the blake media corporation which is shown as good it started from just a guy who wanted to be a dj and he built this big empire whereas we could see the parallel to adam sandler just wanting to be a comedian and now he's kind of built a bit of an empire of movie stuff Mm -hmm. and in 2002 i mean he's a millionaire for sure he's rich oh yeah yeah but i i don't think he's the rich we now see him as 
Like, he, I don't know how much Adam Sandler's worth, but, like, hundreds of millions. Yeah. And they talk about how they don't want to shut down this corporation because people will lose their jobs. And then at the end, they try to spread the wealth, but it's just material means and not, like, any actual good because he doesn't really know what to do with it. And then there's the bad company that is out there trying to make money by going against their values. Well, they have no values. Yes, they don't have any values. But Babe worked for them even though she did have values. She just was willing to lose them to succeed compared to to this company that's kind of represented by, uh, what's his name? Uh, Cecil, that's kind of good and they're doing okay work. And I think you could really put yourself in that that might be like a Happy Madison type company. They're giving people jobs. They're doing pretty well. And they think that they're they're kind of getting at what they want to get at compared to like a bunch of horrible sellouts. The, the role of media in this film is always portrayed as negative. Yes. There is no good media in this movie. Even The New Yorker is portrayed as like stuck up and worthy of a good punching i mean it is (laughs) (laughs) i i i thought it was really interesting that blake's death was caught on camera i mean when he's on the mountain there's someone filming him and then when he's actually dead on top of the mountain they film him being airlifted out like everything about like that death is just portrayed on the news very wireistically yeah, I mean, they portray everything that happens in the movie like that. Yeah, it's very similar, in my opinion, to, to the role of media in Joe Dirt. Except for Joe Dirt, it's radio, mostly. And in this one, it's TV. Mm-hmm. They they portrayed media in the way that I think the actors see those news channels. This this company there, they're ta- what, what's the, the shitty tabloid? I can't even think of it. Inside Access. Yeah, this... this tabloid which i'm pretty sure is the one we threw a bunch out of when we were at the grocery store yeah the sun i think or no or maybe that was the national Enquirer, but i don't remember they had a bunch of racist stuff so we just threw a bunch out like imagine though you have an adam sandler here they're writing this movie adam sandler is actually followed by these people trying to get him to look bad and posting pictures of him on the front page mm-hmm. if if i hate this shitty tabloid media I can't imagine the hate I'd have for it if they were, like, fucking dogging me all the time. You also have to keep in mind that the the guy who runs Inside Access and who's, like, the main anchor, like I said, he has an Australian accent. He's very mm. clearly supposed to be, like, a Rupert Murdoch. If you don't know who Rupert Murdoch is, he's the guy who essentially invented American tabloids and UK tabloids, like, the modern tabloid, and he's responsible for Fox News. This movie came out in 2002, and the role of Fox News in leading up to the Iraq war was awful. Yeah, they did more harm than (laughs) just about any other company, you know? Well, purposefully portraying things. I I would just say lying. They're not portraying it. They they were lying about stuff. Yes. On purpose. Um, and I, again, that's, that's maybe not what Adam Sandler was going for, considering the fact that he is like a registered Republican or whatever, but yeah, I mean, that's all I can see. There, there's also levels of that, of like, was he a registered Republican, but still understands the, the damage this is doing are, I mean, I don't think everyone in Happy Madison is a registered Republican either. No. Like, there's yeah. a lot of voices there. And, in fact, I would say going after Fox News in 2002 is interesting because that's before the shift kind of went on. Like, people obviously knew that Fox News was bad then. But, mm-hmm. like, it isn't as well known as it is now. Yeah. I mean, actually, I will say at the age of 10, I knew that people who listened to fox news were being like lied to and that it was propaganda but i grew up in vermont <laughs> so <laughs> like yeah i mean i did too but you didn't grow up in vermont, my family is my shut up <laughs> yeah i also think that this movie does com comment very briefly in one scene about the complicity of news anchors in what they're selling 
and how they don't realize the impact that they have personally. There's a line where the anchor is talking about how all 50,000 media, uh, all 50,000 employees of Blake Media are going to be fired. And then he says, wait a minute, I'm a Blake employee. This sucks. Like he just realized that the real world can inf- can affect him. And I think that's a common problem with journalism. I don't want to comment too much about this because I teach journalism and I don't want to add my opinion too much in here with this. But if you look at one of the recent controversies with the New York Times, they they let a very bad opinion, a very problematic and violent opinion article written by Senator Tom Cotton to be published in their op-ed page for the sake of having coverage on quote unquote multiple sides not realizing the actual impact this would have on their black employees. Mm-hmm. So just like the how how relatively sheltered the people who are up at the top of a media corporation are from like what's going on with the rest of the of the employees at a newspaper staff. It it is crazy at times to see the level of dissidence between people who think they know what's going on and like what's actually going on and i think that's more apparent than ever right now based on what's happening in the united mm-hmm. states you can see that there are there's so many more uh so many more like people on the ground level who actually have understanding of what's going on in our country and i think that would be true you know pretty mm-hmm. much elsewhere so i really quickly did some research on am sandler's political leanings and i i want to because we brought it up and i think it's probably kind of important I want to go over it real quick. Okay. So he is a registered Republican. His only donation ever was in 2007. He donated $2,100 to Rudy Giuliani's presidential campaign, which is strange. Rudy Giuliani, though, does appear in two of his movies and bit parts while filming in New York City. Was this a way to get filming in New York City? I'm not sure. At the same time as this, he was championing liberal causes, quote-unquote, such as homosexual marriage. I'm reading from the conservative's uh, point of view, where they dislike Adam (laughs) Sandler and call him a rhino or a Republican in name only because he constantly is promoting liberal liberal ideals. That was really funny. They don't like that he does that. Calling it homosexual marriage. Yes. So basically... (laughs) Uh, there's also this thing where a bunch of people accused him of donating to Trump and to talk shit about him because they're like, it's so like Adam Sandler to call himself a street busker and a street performer and then donate to Trump because an Adam Sandler donated to Trump and said that their job was street performer. Uh, there's just a Trump supporting street performer somewhere named Adam Sandler who did that and they found him and they're like, yep, yeah, it's not the same guy. So that huh. stuff is false. Yeah. So don't I don't think he's a huge great dude for, you know, my causes. At best, he's a millionaire, which isn't good in my book. And at worst, he's farther right than that because being a super rich person puts you at least somewhere in the center. Mhm. Well, That all being said, um, we have two other points on here that we haven't talked about yet. We haven't talked about ambition. Do you want to talk about this a little bit? Yeah. So thematically through this movie, it shows people's ambitions. Um, Like I mentioned before, there's this man who wanted to be a veterinarian and ended up being an owner of a chain of slaughterhouses. Ambition is what killed Drake on the mountain and... Interestingly enough, Deeds has no ambition other than to make a Hallmark greeting card. So the only thing he pursues in the movie is a romantic relationship because that's what gets him there. Yeah. And I think that's why he's uncorruptible, quote unquote, even though he does kind of get corrupted by Bay Bennett, who is a stepping stone, basically, to this ideal he has where he just wants to kind of get married. Mm-hmm. So I think the point might be a little more not that money will corrupt you, but whatever you're after will corrupt you. And money's all, what a lot of people are after mm-hmm. and makes everything you're after easier. Yeah. You know, why do you say that he's corrupted by Babe Bennett? Because I don't really see that. I see that he's, he really does stick to his guns. Mm-hmm throughout this and in the end he doesn't even accept the money 
I guess the closest thing to corruption is when she falls through the ice in um in Mandrake Falls, he stands there, he's like, Oh, well, where's the where are the hidden cameras? Instead of just going right to her aid, he is suspicious. So she does, I guess I guess that's corruption of his ideals a little bit because mm-hmm. it makes him hesitant. Yeah, it's definitely not as much as any other person in the movie though. Mm-hmm. But he does yeah. end up getting with her at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is shown to make a turn and become a real reporter again. But at the same time, I'm like, eh. Yeah, she needs she needs to do more work, in my opinion. I have a question, though. Was she wearing a media pass in the final scene uh, when they're in the pizza place? I don't know. I, I didn't catch the, it. I think they were supposed to, but I'm not sure. She was wearing a, a Deeds pizza shirt, and I'm like... I kind of hope she doesn't give up on her, like, career to go live in this small town. Not that you can't be a reporter from there, but, like, Mm -hmm. that's boring. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I actually, I liked Babe's character a lot in this. The the idea that her name is Babe is fun because that's such a, it's often used as a misogynistic term of endearment. Mm -hmm. Especially when you look at women in the media. But... In terms of the romantic comedy, she kind of takes on a more like the the male role almost in yes. the in the rom com, where usually it would be uh, a a guy who has his his career he's career focused. He'll do anything for his career versus the very innocent young woman. I mean, I guess that's kind of turned on its head in some small rom coms, but not in these big blockbuster ones. Yeah. But she is the one who is career focused. And we saw that also in Big Daddy. We had the we had Layla who was career focused. Yeah. But she also seems to kind of give up her career, which is not great. Yeah. I know. It it's it's interesting to see her be that character. I think Winona Ryder also just did a great job. I love Winona Ryder. I I would actually I I didn't really buy it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think the problem is she was pretending the entire time yeah honestly the scenes where she's like making stuff up were pretty good and funny like overall though like eh, it was it was all right <laughs> i just like winona writer yeah that's fair i mean i like alan culver more than any person probably should <laughs> like if i saw him in real life i'd laugh so that's <laughs> Let's talk about this this final point here about the pretending because both Winona Ryder and Alan Covert mm-hmm. do a lot of pretending in this movie. Of course, Babe Bennett pretends to be Pam, Pam Dawson and like just lies about nearly every aspect of her identity. Even things that she didn't necessarily need to lie about, she could have used from her own real experiences. She yeah. lies. Like she makes a bunch of To Kill a Mockingbird references. And she's almost caught in this lie when <laughs> Adam Sandler brings her to Winchester Tinfieldville, Iowa, which she thought was just a made up place. Like he does this a lovely little gesture where he takes her back to her hometown, quote unquote. And I wish that she had faced some consequences there. I wish that Mr. I wish that Deeds had like realized that she was not telling him the truth because there are some scenes where he... Like, the way that Adam Sandler delivers the lines makes it seem like he's onto her. Yeah. I think I think the movie could have been just a little bit better if Adam Sandler didn't have to have everything revealed to him by the media. But mm-hmm. instead, he, he was figuring it out. And she was worried at first that he was figuring it out and then had a switch. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. That, that part of every... You can't really have that part of a movie in a romantic comedy work because it doesn't make any goddamn sense in reality. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think there's a time I'm satisfied from that. Yeah. But that's 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 just romantic comedy tropes. Plus, it's a remake. So it had to be like that in a lot of ways. But yeah. I, I, this idea of pretending, because Ellen Cover goes undercover several times in, in silly costumes. Like, at one point, he has an eye patch on. It's great. Mm-hmm. The idea of pretending to be someone that you're not really relates back to the media. Putting on a public face that's different than your private face. It's something that wasn't as common back in 2002, but super common now. Everyone has a public face that they put on social media versus their private selves. And sometimes when those things come to conflict with each other, it can be very embarrassing for that person. 
you see it a lot right now, a lot of people getting called out for their their tweeting support of Black Lives Matter and people in their mentions saying, hey, remember the time that you said this really racist thing? Is this you? Yeah. I I think that is a more interesting message today. And if this movie had been remade today, they probably would have incorporated some of that in there. Yeah. I, I mean, there's even scenes where uh, Babe says something of like, oh, I was raised not to drink much while drinking a beer. And it butts over the yeah. phone so he can't see. There's a lot of stuff like that. Um, I mean, she actually <laughs> virtue signals, which is not something like a phrase I like to use, but it makes sense uh-huh. in this capacity. Uh, there's a lot of that stuff. I mean, she she acts virginal and has made fun of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of it is representing, she's trying to represent an, an impossibility in the movie of, you know, a hallmark relationship. And the media is trying to represent a decent person who might actually be part of a hallmark relationship as like an evil person. So you, you gotta have a lot of kind of pretending in different faces for that. Yeah, I mean, especially, again, as a journalist, too, you do have to be very careful of your public face versus your private face. A lot of um, newspaper editors will not allow their staff to state opinions on their social media, for example, because it will conflict with what they're this this um, mask of objectivity which doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Everybody's subjective. It's it's just a lie that they're telling themselves, really, that's, in my opinion. Yeah, I was going to say, that's something I have strongly disagreed with from a journalist, that mm-hmm. not taking a point where you agree on something is actually bad journalism in itself. Because yeah. you, you are writing from basically, you know, you can try to write objectively, but you're you are influencing it in a way of what you believe. And by stating your opinion beforehand, you don't have to quite influence people as hard. It lets them decide. And by not doing that, you're influencing them more so. I'd say. I try to tell my students that like you you do have to try to present news in as unbiased a manner as possible. But you have to recognize where your biases exist. You can't pretend that those don't exist. Yeah. And also, you know, as just the the easy way to kind of bring this up is not every issue has two sides round Mm -hmm. earthers versus flat earthers is a ridiculous idea yeah of course the earth is flat (laughs) (laughs) i mean Um, circles don't exist find me one circle yeah i've never seen a circle yeah (laughs) i don't play Uh, sports (laughs) um but the interesting scene where there's some pretending that happens is when Deeds is going to propose to Pam and he asks Emilio to sit in her chair and pretend to be her. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it doesn't quite work for him. He's like, you have to scooch down in your chair because she's not this tall. And then at the end, he's like, oh, this just isn't working. Like he has no difference between his public face and his private face. Mm-hmm. He is the same person. He represents himself at face value 100%. Yeah, and I guess that's why he isn't suspicious of Pam is because he doesn't have ulterior motives and he's not able to really see people's bad side. Um, I mean, the movie opens with uh, Peter Dante coming into the restaurant after having fake sick. And if he forgot, he faked sick and Deeds was just like, you do a really good sick voice. Like that's impressive. Like, good job, man. Like, and he's momentarily convinced by the guy who's pretending to be a police officer yeah who's in there he's like he's like i need to get my pizza now so i can get back on duty and then when he's told about the fact that he's an heir to 40 billion dollars he's like wait a minute and then he looks back at the guy pretending to be the cop you're not a cop (laughs) and it was just him in a costume i mean what it comes down to is he's not able apparently to lie which makes him uncomfortable he is Uh again a superman in this movie he can beat people up real good he hangs out with other Superman, John McEnroe, and he protects innocent people because he's perfect. And I mean, that's uh, that's another aspect of what this movie is about is a no flaws, except maybe he doesn't write poetry super well person who will always do the right thing. Well, and he also can't figure out when people are lying. They set that up early. Except for the scene in the movie where they play the song 
I ain't no Superman and he tears down his Hallmark cards because he's sad. <laughs> That's true. It was comparatively like to the animal. This is a... Uh... Yeah. I, the fact that this was rated worse than animals. Wild. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Although I do find it offensive the idea that John McEnroy can leap 15 feet straight into the air. That's not offensive. That's just that, fact. No. <laughs> the man can jump at least 30. And they're really... <laughs> There's lying about this stuff now. Oh man, that scene was great. <laughs> Again, it's just the weird. Every movie that Adam Sandler has done has at least one weird fantastical element that is completely unexplained. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the only one. Hmm. Well, it is a miracle how they got the Hawaiian punch into the into the pipes. Product placement worked on me in this movie i really wanted a frosty i mean frosties are good all again when it makes sense in the plot i don't think product placement is a bad thing really and i don't like wendy's don't get me wrong but like a do so one if you're in vermont and you're in a helicopter flying to new york and you want to stop for food wendy's is a good choice because there's one wendy's in vermont and there's one taco bell and there's no mcdonald's in the capital like that is realistic to me and was seemed truthful because I really like going to Wendy's and Taco Bell now because I couldn't really go there as a kid. It's also, I don't want to have to go to the mall to go to Taco Bell. Are you kidding me? That sucks. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, oh, but it was New Hampshire, not Vermont. So I don't know. Well, New Hampshire has even less. Let's just admit that. Whatever. I'm actually from New Hampshire, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> It's not a joke. I was born there. I liked this movie a lot. I'm very mm. upset that critics didn't like it as much as they liked the animal. It seems wrong. It seems like an affront to God. True. Both true. I can't believe you laughed 48 times. That's a record, especially with a movie you've seen already. Yeah, but I, I think I saw this movie in 2002. Mm. Yeah, and okay, that makes sense. And I might not have loved the the scene where... Alan Covert was just aggressively soaping only his ass, which now I think is the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. Just his ass. It's so good. Uh, uh, that's a fun that's a funny thing. They they True. made it weird, not sexual, is what they did. Which is exactly the line that every Adam Sandler joke needs to be at. Yeah. They all all the jokes that don't really hit are the ones that decide to make it sexual. Mm -hmm. They never really hit that well. Well, I am very excited for the next movie we're going to watch because I have very fond memories of it, and I remember loving the hell out of it. God, I I think this is going to be one of the worst fucking movies I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Ugh. It, it like I'm actually like physically repulsed by the idea of this movie. I can't believe that. I can't believe that at all, especially considering how much you like turtles. I mean, I've seen the clip where he says turtle, but is the man a turtle? No, he just pretends to be a turtle oh, once. My God, I'm going to fucking lose it. So, um, <laughs> I know for a fact that there are several very offensive jokes in this movie. The, the next movie we are watching is The Master of Disguise. It is a one Sandlayer movie, one star Sandlayer movie. And my God, does it look terrible, guys. This is, it stars this is really Dana Carvey, and I remember it being hilarious, and the guest star on the next podcast is going to be my sister, and she sounds exactly like me on the phone, so good that's, luck. That's not true. You guys don't really sound alike. We don't sound alike in person. We sound very much alike on the, on the phone in recordings. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, good news, though. This next movie was nominated for a Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Award for Favorite Fart. <laughs> Good. Uh. I am going to willing. I'm willing to bet this. I'm willing to to put down. Well, it doesn't make sense to put down money because we share finances for the most part. I'm willing to bet that you are going to like this movie more than you are not looking forward to it because you liked Deuce Bigelow. I said Deuce Bigelow is at the very edge of a movie that's watchable. <laughs> yeah, but you were dreading the movie. You were dreading watching it. That's and true. you laughed. Alex, you laughed, I think, 33 times during that movie. Something like that. I'm, I'm just saying, man. Like, this, 
I don't even like impersonations. <laughs> well, you're going <laughs> to love this movie. Unless it's Yu-Gi-Oh related, I don't find them very funny. Anyway, that's let's let's end it. <laughs> I, uh, I I need to You can do anything else but look at the picture of this movie. <laughs> You can find our podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter, or you can also find our games at wannabegames.com and support us at patreon.com slash wannabegames. You can find me specifically at Joska on Twitter. And I'm at Kitty Crusade on Twitter. You know what Dana Carvey's famous catchphrase is in Master of Disguise? Yeah. It's please take my wife. <laughs> uh, I wish it was. It'd be better. <laughs> <laughs>